Code smarter. Fix faster. And be more secure with Sonatype, the software supply chain security platform that is trusted by over 15 million developers. Sonatype helps developers do embrace code quality and open source libraries with confidence so that they can achieve 10 times faster feedback loops. Yeah, 10 times faster feedback loops. So visit sonatype.com to learn more. Anyways, on to the episode. Afternoon podcast. What's up, hackers? Welcome back to another episode of the Hacker Noon podcast. Do I sound more authoritative to you? Because I'm standing up podcasting and this is the first time I've done that. And I've heard that it makes you sound more appealing or more like presentative. So, you know, let me know (laughs) how it's going. But I'm standing today, guys. It's a different vibe. (laughs) But today on the podcast, I have on Noor Fatid, who is the sales engineering manager at Recorded Future. And we are going to talk today a little bit more about threat intelligence and cybersecurity uh, because he has a vast background in cybersecurity and helping businesses understand their threat landscape and better securing their organization and their devices and their data. So, Noor, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you for having me, Amy. Uh, Yeah, I'm good. It's funny you mentioned standing. I... My colleagues tried to get me into standing desks and I just tried it today. My knees started to hurt. So I sat right back down. So I don't think that's made for me. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. I mean, I've also heard these things where like people will get these um, little treadmills for when they're like on meetings and stuff. And then they'll like walk while they, (laughs) and I don't think I can do that. No, I don't have the knees or the patience for that. So I'm like, I'm all right. I'm going to sit down. Right? Yeah, yeah, I have the body of an 80-year-old woman. Um, like, I can't stand all day. <laughs> but for one hour, I am prepared to stand and present. <laughs> so it's going to be great. Awesome. Okay, so tell me more about you. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so uh, I, my name is Noor. I got to where I am. I, I left university. I, I didn't necessarily know I wanted to go into cybersecurity. I actually started my career at Cisco uh, and that was more networking. So routing and switching and wireless and collaboration solutions and things like that. And then cybersecurity became something that Cisco became interested in and not many people wanted to do it. And so naturally I found it interesting because I always like to go for something that's a bit more underrated. So I actually got into cybersecurity while I was at Cisco. I started to love it. And then by the time I wanted to leave Cisco, I thought, okay, well, why don't I take this one step further? I joined Recorded Future way back in 2017 and I've been here ever since. So uh, that's kind of how I got here. Yeah. Yeah. So as I understand in your like sales engineering kind of role, though you're a manager now, but you must have spent a lot of time talking to people who do security at a high level, like CISOs or CTOs and things like that. So with your job as a sales engineering manager, I imagine that you would have had to spend a lot of time talking to CTOs and CISOs and things like that, or people who do security at a really high level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you learn that that everyone is trying to figure out cybersecurity at the same pace. And very, there's a huge gap in knowledge 
And I mm. think in cybersecurity, it's one of those industries that people kind of don't want to admit that they are overwhelmed, but they are. And yes. so there's a lot of ego and there's a lot of, and so you have to factor that in as a sales engineer. You don't want to make the, the person feel like there's so much for them to do that it can be overwhelming. And that's the biggest thing I've found in cybersecurity is that there's so much out there. Do not assume that the person you're speaking to has their affairs in order because maybe they don't. And they might be too shy to even bring that up to you properly because our natural human instinct is to make it seem like we've got everything under control when we don't really. And that's, that's kind of what I've learned speaking to security practitioners in different companies is that you just, you have no idea uh, what they're thinking and, and, and whether they do have things under control or not. It's completely up to the organization. Some are very good. Some need a lot of work. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. I am, sm I'm smiling because I am thinking about coming at cybersecurity, but from like a business and sales perspective and that when you are a CTO or a CISO and you you're in charge of security for your whole organization and it is this thing that has like so many different layers you don't want to admit that you don't know what you're no, doing you <laughs> exactly you don't you don't want to oh my it. gosh so, yeah and so who, who do you admit it to the vendor that's trying to sell you something obviously right. not because they, they might uh, they might take advantage of that effect right uh, so who do you have to rely on maybe your community maybe yes. you don't have and who can you trust also because it is trust. security at the end of the exactly. day so, so Exactly. So who do you reach out to? Your community? Maybe you don't have a very good community and you're maybe new to the CISO role or you don't know that many people. Um, you don't have friends who are ex-cops and, you know, former intelligence agency professionals. Maybe you just don't have those contacts. So what are you going to do? Right. So then how can we as business owners better understand what we're working with? It's a good question. Um, I would say I think we're very lucky right now that there's a lot of information out there. So for mm -hmm. example, if you want to do anything in life, you're very lucky in the sense that you're maybe a Google search away from finding that out, right? There's, there's no excuse anymore to not know what's going on in the world because we have all the access to the information. Uh, you know, on my phone, I can learn uh, whatever it is that I want to learn that day. So I would say dedicate a lot of time either reading or listening to the wealth of information that is out there. So there are some excellent podcasts out there, for example. There's one called uh, Cyber Daily, which is excellent, for example, or mm -hmm. podcasts like this. Uh, you know, listen to people who work in the industry and read from the different sources. So for example, ZDNet, uh, Bleeping Computer, The Register. I mean, this is these are like excellent publications that come out with good newsworthy articles every single day. So now when, you've, when, you, when, I, when I look at my Google News app, it's all just, you know, good cybersecurity updates. And then I get the headline and I get what's going on. Maybe I might click and figure out more. But right. there's so much out there. There's really no excuse to not get yourself up to speed with what's going on right now. It's just, you're just yeah. a, a Google search away, really. Yes. Yeah. The thing is, it's like very overwhelming. So imagine, I mean, hopefully small businesses or businesses, big businesses especially, but small businesses have like at least some kind of grasp on their security, at least to start with. But imagine being a small business owner in today's landscape and then um, having to set up your whole security posture, like where exactly. do you start? Um, and with all of the different security vendors and products that are available on the market today, and like considering that you don't want to overcrowd your network and uh, let all of these different vendors into your environment anyways. So like, it, where do we start? Is Do we need encryption? Do we need network security? Are we looking at endpoint security? Do we just need data? That's like a, what? That's a really, really good question. Okay, so let's 
let's think about the, the absolute fundamentals. Okay, so let's say if you were to buy a house, yeah. you need the absolute basics. You need a lock on the door. You need locks on the windows. You need some sort of fence, maybe an alarm system. Those are absolute basics. The equivalent of those in cybersecurity is basic network segmentation, firewalling, endpoint yeah. agents, uh, some sort of basic antivirus, maybe the ability to perform vulnerability scans, maybe IDS slash IPS, uh, a good proxy, a good gateway. So, I mean, those things, you'd be surprised how many clients don't want to focus on those basics, but then want something really extreme. And that's like asking for, you know, a SWAT team to monitor your house 24 seven, but you don't even have the front door locked at night when you leave. So okay. you need to focus on the basics before you even graduate to the, the higher the caliber of, of, of cybersecurity weaponry and defense mechanisms that mm -hmm. we have out there. So basic, yeah. basics, basics are proper segmentation, uh, access control, who can go where, uh, at what time, basic firewalling, IPS, vulnerability scans, endpoint agents, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, a good proxy. I'd say those are the absolute right. basics. Yeah. So, okay. So after we get past that then, right, like making sure that we have this, just the basic network yeah. segmentation, encryption, et cetera, what kind of information do we need as we grow and as we increase our security and our in security intelligence? Yeah. This is when things get interesting. So now that you've graduated from those basics, then you can start to gather information or intelligence from other places. So you can collect intelligence from a source, right? And then you can implement that intelligence somewhere. So for example, you uh, are looking at a long list of IP addresses in your firewall, and you're not even sure which one to block, which one to pay attention to, which one to investigate. You need some sort of external opinion on those. You can gather intelligence and then the intelligence comes to you uh, uh, fresh. It's timely, it's accurate, it's, um, it's trustworthy, it's transparent, it's traceable. And then you can start to say, okay, well, thanks, intelligence source. I now know that maybe this IP address and that IP address are the ones that I need to focus on because those are command control servers, for example. So now I know out of the thousands that I would have otherwise just had to Google on my own, and that's actually what some security practitioners do. Now I don't have to do that. I can just look and I can scan for which ones are actually important. So that's when things start to get really advanced and really interesting. So just like a country might gather intelligence and then act on behalf of the country based on that intelligence. Companies can do the same. So you can gather intelligence, you can uh, consume that intelligence, and then you can understand, okay, well, maybe I need to fortify this area of my network, or uh, uh, these are the threats that I was missing every day, but they were actually quite important to me. Or actually I was wasting my time on threats that weren't important. So it's very, it's very useful and actually quite game-changing to be able to bring in intelligence and then apply it locally within your environment. And it sounds like it's advanced, but if you think about the everyday world, we do that all the time. We gather intelligence all the time. We make intelligent decisions every day in our lives. You know, for example, I live in London. The weather is extremely unpredictable. I check the weather app every day before I leave the house so I know if it's going to rain or not. I've just consumed intelligence and then I've made a smart decision. Why don't we do that in cybersecurity? We never look outside for a source of intelligence. We always right. just kind of look within the network trying to figure things out, but maybe there's a good opinion elsewhere that we can get. That's how I would describe it. Yeah. Right, okay. And But in the age of data and data gathering and there being mm -hmm. way too much to parse through, what am I looking for? That's a really good question. So you need to first figure out what your priorities are, okay? So is my priority 
to help my poor SOC analyst who's having to go through ticket after ticket after ticket every day? Is that my priority? If it is, then I can apply the intelligence to that person and I can make it very bespoke to them. Is it the fact that maybe I'm seeing a lot of fake websites being generated with my logo on them? Uh, so for example, if you're Nike or if you're um, PayPal or mm -hmm. Amazon, every single day, someone is trying to create a fake page with your logo on it. And that is maybe troublesome for you and it creates a lot of fraud and maybe it's swindling a lot of your, your customers. So maybe that's a priority. Okay, well, that's brand focus. So we're going to apply it to brand. So you need to know what your priorities are as a business. Think about what is the absolute doomsday scenario that could occur for your business and then apply the uh, and then apply a priority to that. So I might go to a client and they might say, all right, well, um, our brand is our number one priority and we need to stop people trying to log in in these fake uh, web pages. That's a priority. And that is what would make or break the business. So then now we can apply the intelligence to that. But to some companies that you've never heard of and they don't even engage with end users, that's not a priority because nobody is logging into them. Maybe their priority is working with other suppliers. We get our steel from a supplier in, in India and we need to make sure that their networks are secure because if they're breached, then they could make their way into our network. So there's different priorities for different people. So you really have to know what it is, is that is a priority to you first, mm -hmm. and then you can apply the intelligence accordingly. Right. If that makes sense. I don't know if yeah, that, no, yeah. definitely. And now let me ask you this. What kind of people are the people who know how to do this stuff? It's a good question. Um, I would say the, the good thing about intelligence is that it has to be very easily consumed. So if you're any level of security practitioner, you should be able to ingest and consume the intelligence that is given to you. And mm -hmm. if you cannot, that's a sign that you're receiving bad intelligence. Right because it, it shouldn't require anyone special to action it. So for example, both you and I understand that a command and control server is bad, right? Or a command and control IP address is bad. So if we see that, all we need is the proof and then we can action it accordingly. But if I just told you, hey, Amy, you know, this IP address was, was bad a week ago and I'm not sure what malware it pointed to and I'm not sure what it did, that's not very actionable. That then requires me to be a specialist to investigate on my own. That's not very good. So to answer your question, in theory, you could be any sort of security practitioner and be able to consume intelligence. That's a sign that your intelligence provider is doing their job, because if they're not, then they're making it even more difficult for you. So I hope that mm -hmm. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, and the reason I kind of asked that, too, is I think that in a lot of small businesses um, starting in security, the security kind of falls on like the IT manager, right? Like, yeah. and yeah, so exactly. do, do you, one, do you think that you have to be a security practitioner in order to understand and parse through this information? And <laughs> also, no, wait, that was the only question. <laughs> I think so, because let's 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 rewind. Okay. Late 90s, early 2000s, even up until maybe the late 2000s, uh, going into 2010, cybersecurity became a priority. Okay, you have a bunch of, uh, of IT staff in your organization, and you hire them to run the network and just the day to day routing and switching and wireless. And then one day, the business decides that cybersecurity is a, is a priority. Mm -hmm. And you didn't have the time to go out and hire someone specifically. So you took one of your IT guys or girls or maybe two of them and you said, all right, you two, you're in charge of security, IT security or sorry, network security. Yeah. Now, those two have to then figure it out because they're not sure they don't come from a security background. 
They don't know where to start. So these people have had to develop skills over time and figure it out just like the rest of us. So to answer your question, yes, I do think you need some specific security knowledge because network security is not the same as just network admin and IT. They're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. I've seen both worlds. Trust me. I used to be at Cisco. You had the, the network admins that were very good and excellent, really intelligent what they did. And they're very good at segmenting networks and they're very good at creating networks and and building and architecting entire giant networks for companies. It's not the same as securing a network. They're two Mm -hmm. very different schools of thought. Ideally, now that I think about it, you'd want to merge those two worlds so Mm -hmm. that the architect of the network also knows how to secure it. That's in an ideal world. And I think as a profession, we need to converge to the same point where it's not Oh, I'm I'm a firewall. Oh, sorry, I'm a I'm a wireless expert. I only know wireless, but then I know how to secure wireless. It, it, they should be the same person, yeah. ideally. Maybe right. I'm wrong, but I think it would cure the biggest problem we have in cybersecurity now, which is shortage of talent. And mm. if you grabbed all those network professionals and you educated them in security, you'd have a very powerful workforce that we just don't have in cybersecurity right now. Right. And as someone who has gone through this and learned the processes and, and, you know, security, how would you suggest that these network admins learn aside from podcasting? (laughs) That's a good question. I spoke at um, at like a a cybersecurity for the uh, for the for a minority community here in in the UK. So they they hosted an event where it was um, it was uh, being black in cybersecurity. So it was promoting Mm -hmm. people. Um, uh, from minority backgrounds to be in cybersecurity and to choose it as a background. And I got the exact same question. And I said, and I still say this all the time, which is you are one online course away from being a cybersecurity professional. Mm. And that is it. You are one good cybersecurity course from being a way to understand being, sorry, let me say that again. You're one cybersecurity course away from being able to understand security principles. And if you know how networking works, you've already done about 50% of the work and that's it. So CompTIA, Security Plus, uh, CISSP, uh, um, what's another really, really good one? What am I thinking of? CISSP, and there's another one. These courses are online and you can study them for free. It's all on YouTube or it's all on maybe some course that you can follow online. So you are one online course away from understanding cybersecurity. And I really mean that because I train sales engineers and I have to train them in cybersecurity. And I know, and I've seen it for a fact, You are. Mm -hmm. it is that accessible if you want to understand it and learn it. And I really mean that. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. So the other question I have for you is that like, as your career has progressed in cybersecurity over like, you know, say the past like six, seven years or something like that, um, however long it's been, how would you say that your conversations with your customers around security are changing in the sense of like, what are people caring about? It's a really good question. Okay, so I would say First of all, people are getting the, the, the average maturity of the person you speak to in the industry is becoming much, much better. Hmm. So, and by maturity, I mean, are their priorities well-placed and do they really get the bigger picture of cybersecurity? That's what we mean by maturity, right? Um, a, a low maturity, I don't know what the, what the proper way to say that is, is that someone who's maybe fresh to cybersecurity, fresh to intelligence, doesn't really have the pieces together in their head. And then a very mature client or prospect is someone who really understands it. It has a, a fully fledged SOC 
up and running. They've got all the best tools, the most advanced tools, things like that. So back to answering your question, what have I seen that's changed? Um, clients have become a lot more mature and they are starting to get the bigger picture. Intelligence isn't this niche of a niche of a niche anymore. It's becoming a bit more of an obvious choice. And in any cybersecurity function, you need good intelligence, which is good because that took a long time to educate people on. Mm -hmm. um, you are seeing a lot of people focus still on the most extreme event that can occur in cybersecurity. So I always use this example. Being targeted by a nation state sponsored group, by a government like Russia or China, being targeted by them is like a lightning strike. Okay, It doesn't happen very often. And when it does, there's very little you can do about it. Okay, right. Because it is just a force and it comes at you and it's not as explosive as a lightning strike, but it's, it's as inevitable. Yeah. And so... And probably when it hits, it's too late. <laughs> it's too late. Exactly. Exactly. So there are so many other things that can happen to you in your 24 hours in the day that are much mm -hmm. more likely than being hit by lightning. Right. And so in cybersecurity, if you plan for, for, for just protecting yourselves against APT groups, you're basically preventing, you're, you're planning for the most rare, unavoidable, <laughs> high risk scenario when there are so many other things you could have protected yourself against in that same day, like opportunistic ransomware, like phishing, like misconfiguration within your network, like someone using their corporate credentials to sign up for something that isn't corporate, like buying flowers online or creating a Spotify account. All of those things can have way more impact on an organization, but they're just not as high profile as an APT attack is, if you know what I mean? Right. So back to your question, and the reason why I mentioned this is that I think as a cybersecurity community, we need to realize that there are way more everyday risks that deserve a lot more attention than just APT attacks. That's, Do you think that's the ransomware specifically is a daily risk? 100%, because it's opportunistic. Right. Mm. Just like if I was to go into the streets and start stealing iPhones in London, there's this really there's this trick that everyone does nowadays. So it's very common. You're standing on the street and a cyclist will just come zooming by and grab your phone out of your hand. Very common in London. OK, um, that is very common, but it's also very opportunistic. The guy on the on that bike doesn't isn't targeting you specifically. They're just looking right. for a phone out there. They're just casting a wide net. Yeah, they're just casting a wide net. Rans Somewhere is the widest net out there right now. It is so opportunistic. And this, and sometimes clients say, hmm, what ransomware affects my industry? That's a non-question non because it's, it, it doesn't matter which one targets your industry because even if there was a trend, it's probably just random. And it's probably by coincidence. Ransomware operators are opportunistic by nature. They are financially motivated. They do not care if it's Amy or if it's Noor or if it's my grandmother. As long as that person can pay, that's what they care about. So they don't care if it's the largest pasta manufacturer in the world or if it's Airbus or if it's Microsoft. They don't care. As long as that person is going to pay up, that's what they're, they're, that, that's what they're looking for. Mm. So that's what I feel I still haven't seen when I speak to clients is that there's, there's this still this assumption that ransomware is targeted and, and they can predict it by focusing on specific ransomware families. And I just don't think that's the case. Yeah. Well, in this conversation, how would you differentiate between malware and ransomware? So malware is an umbrella term. Ransomware is a type of, of malware. So malware is any software that maliciously targets your computer. 
And then ransomware yeah. is just a subset of that. So I would say But it's like specifically then- the comp- like malicious actors who go into an organization's network, ransom some piece of data or whatever, ask them to pay in order to release it. Spot on. And that's exactly. a daily occurrence? Wait, and okay, so is- like are people, are criminals just being like, Hey guys, so like we've got some of your data now. Uh- Absolutely. Amy, it's that simple. Honestly, it can happen really? tomorrow, today. It's so opportunistic. If you leave a port open, they are going to scan for that port and find their way into that door. It's like leaving one of your doors open in the house. And if someone drives by, they're going to go through that door. Or if you if they if they send a phishing email and someone falls for that clickbait, that's a perfect entry. So they don't care who clicks yeah. on that link. They're just looking for yeah. someone who is no. going to click on. I understand that, and I understand. Mm-hmm. I guess I really do understand like the frequency of ransomware, but I never like thought about what happens on the other side. Like, so do these cyber criminals actually will have to then like email companies and be like, "Hey, we have your data." Absolutely. So usually the desktop <laughs> changes to an image. So look, let, let's talk about this. So your desktop will change to an image. And then there'll be a, oh. a text file. Yeah. So, so the desktop image, it depends on the ransomware family, but usually right. the desktop. Because they're going to like remote lock or something. Okay. Exactly. And then the desktop wallpaper that you have will say, hey, your files have been encrypted. You need to contact this email address or contact us on Telegram or, or whoever, or whatever channel they might choose. And you need to reach oh. out to us with a unique identifier so that we can identify you. So, this is, it, it, it's as professional as reaching out to, I don't know, your, uh, your, your, your phone bill company, right? Because yeah. they're targeting so many people that they don't even know who you are. They're like, oh yeah, you're Amy. Okay, okay, yeah. cool. You owe us $50. Oh, oh, you're Nike? Yeah, you owe us $3 million. So this is an enterprise. Yeah. They run it like a business and they have customer support. They have help desks. They have people you can reach out to. It's run like a professional business. What? This and it's opportunistic. So it happens every single day guaranteed interesting okay i find that fascinating i never thought about like the logistics behind the it's a a proper it's a because think of the money involved whenever there's high money there's high high service so these people they are running a proper business and so and there's a lot of money involved so a you want to make sure that you kind of psychologically tend to your victims so that they feel kind of like a Stockholm syndrome and they pay you because you're being so nice about it and you want to be accessible. So if they want to reach out to you and say, okay, maybe I couldn't get the payment to go through. How do I do this? How do I get to this link? Do you want it in Bitcoin? Do you want it in, you know, you need to be able to communicate. So the legit, exactly use the, the right word, which is logistics of it, which people don't understand mm-hmm. or sorry, it might not be as well known. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think they decide how much they're going to ransom for? It's a good, that's a really good question. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, first of all, we've seen ransoms go up steadily. Right. So ransomware yeah, operators are getting a, a lot more brash with the ransoms that they're willing to ask for. So I remember a time where $1 million was a lot. 
now we're seeing like five, six, seven, five million, ten million. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and I think I think they know eventually who their target is. So they're not going to ask you or me for like ten million dollars, but they'll ask an enterprise for it. Right. But like yeah. on the low end, what kind of dollar figure are we talking? Like, are people actually going to ransom for fifty bucks? No, 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 no. You want to make it worthwhile okay. because they have to pay yeah. for the servers they've used. They want to pay for the developers' time. They want to pay for yeah. the infrastructure. Maybe the VPNs and proxy they're using there's a lot of running costs behind this um so they want to cover those costs and they want to make a living so if you think about it, you and i our salaries or the people listening to this think about your salary that's what that person is trying to make from that ransom and they want to make it 10 times over because maybe they need to you know collect it from so many people so let's say um on the low end if you target a medium-sized business, I bet the ransom will be at least a million, right? 800K, wow. 900K, okay. yeah. at least, at least. Wow. Larger companies, God, I mean, it goes up to 17 right now. So, uh, yeah. um, and climbing, yeah. Yeah. Okay, think about also, this, right? Im- think, imagine think about though, this. wait, yeah. imagine you're in a job interview and they're like, tell me about your previous positions. And you have to be like, I, w- I worked at the help desk at a criminal organization. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. But now you've turned a new leaf and now you've realized that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very unlikely, very unlikely, but that would be hilarious. I would say... <laughs> I would say, uh, but think about this, okay? How much did I say a ransom was on the high end? Like 20 million, right? Yeah, 17, 20, okay. That is a drop in the ocean for a large enterprise. And yet, and yet, cybersecurity budgets aren't as big as they need to be. So you're not willing to spend the couple of million that it takes every year, but you're basically opening yourself up to 10x that in ransomware payments and regulatory fines from your local government. Because now, for example, I think in in the US, or uh, I don't want to get this wrong. So some governments now enforce a law where if you suffer a cybersecurity breach, you then have to pay a fine. So you pay ransom and you need to pay the government a fine for even being breached because you didn't have proper cybersecurity. So it's twofold. So this is the thing that we, we need to understand as an industry is that you might think that all these cybersecurity solutions are expensive, but think about how much you, you'll have to pay eventually if you have to pay a ransomware ransom plus the fine to the government. It's a no-brainer, right? So why take right. that risk when there are so many other risks that you're not taking, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Do you think that big companies like, you know, Nike or something who experience ransomware frequently have budget set aside to pay for ransom? Um, I think they have budgets set aside for any sort of risk mitigation. So they must have um, contingency, no, not contingency. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, break this glass. Yeah, if you're like a backup fund or whatever. Yeah, yeah okay. Like uh-huh. a backup backup. I'm sure there's risk. Um, there's money set aside for disaster recovery. Sorry, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Disaster recovery. So I'm sure there's funds put for, for that. And then ransomware will just eat into that disaster recovery right. budget. And then yeah. there'll be people at some point sitting at a boardroom and then being like, guys, we only paid $6 million of ransom this year. Great work, everyone. Yeah, exactly. For now, until ransomware payments get a lot more, get a lot more expensive. Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh, this is wild. <laughs> my yeah, mind is blown. And, 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 and now think about this. We only know about the ransomware victims that have actually come out and disclosed their breach or yeah. the ransomware operator themselves have disclosed it. There are so many 
ransomware victims that haven't even publicized mm -hmm. because either their local government doesn't force them to, or they just don't want to do it for the reputational damage that it might cause. Right. So we're just working with what's publicly available, but there are so many other ransomware attacks that probably aren't, haven't been publicly disclosed that you would never know right. about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We go back to the original point. Like I am the CTO. I don't want anyone to know. I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You don't want exactly. Exactly. So there you go. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So there's so many different layers of security and so many different things. It's just like so hard to wrap your mind around everything. I feel the CTO mm. CISO job must be so hard. It is intense. It's an intense job. But if I think like anything in life, you have to boil it down. Sorry, you have to just, you know, really distill it down to its fundamentals. And when you do, then you realize that cybersecurity is all about fundamentals. You, you, yeah. Yes, okay, having advanced tools is very important. But I really think that fundamentals are the absolute core of cybersecurity. Just like a castle or a house, you know, there are so many things that are so basic that can prevent a lot of the things that might occur in cybersecurity. Yeah, definitely. Okay, awesome. So, okay, final question, though we have touched on this a little bit throughout. What would be your recommendation for a business owner who is like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing with my security? Uh, so are they starting from are they starting from scratch or are they? Are so like, let's do this they? whole podcast again. Um, go. <laughs> no what is your final piece of advice for somebody who is just starting out with their security with their security program yeah. i would say i would say find another cso and speak to them mm. and ask them what they're doing because that's 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 also just a trick in life you know if you're ever going to do something new find someone who's done it already it's like getting the answers to the test before you set the, the exam. So yeah. reach out to a peer and who you feel is the benchmark that you want to get to and ask them, what are you doing? And let them explain to you the importance of fundamentals, good cybersecurity um, uh, team, people, uh, good tools, advanced tools that you need, uh, the importance of maturity and educating yourself. Let them, trusted peer, explain to you what is really important so that you don't go and learn things the hard way. You can just learn from someone who's already been down that road before. Yeah, definitely. That's Great advice. Short yeah. Amazing. Yeah, okay. Thank you. thank you very much for joining the podcast, Noor. If we want to find you online and what you're working on, where can we look? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Noor Fatin. Um, you can also check out Recorded Future, which is the company I work for. We're an intelligence provider, um, the intelligence provider, I should say. So uh, you can check out recordedfuture.com. <laughs> yeah, uh, recordedfuture.com. It's a it's a really cool source of of um, of just cybersecurity intelligence in general. We have a Cyber Daily, which is a daily newsletter that we send out for free, uh, which is actually a very good place to get up to speed with with what's going on in cybersecurity. Um, and uh, yeah, that's 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 how you can find us. All right. Awesome. I will put those links in the show notes if you guys want to go check it out. And if you want to find Hacker Noon, you obviously can find us at Hacker Noon on all of the social channels, as well as on HackerNoon.com. And for now, stand up, present your meeting, do your thing. I'm here. I support you. I feel your stand up energy and we are all ready to crush it. Until next time. Stay weird and I'll see you on the internet. Bye. Afternoon podcast.